Guys, welcome to this bonus episode of Pop Kitchen. Thank you for joining us for the bonus episodes. We really enjoy doing them and you guys are really enjoying listening to them. This week, ahead of The Flash coming out, which we're going to cover on next week's episode, which I look forward to seeing and discussing, uh, I realized I only sort of kind of knew slash had seen Michael Keaton's Tim Burton's Batman from 1989. And I thought, Do you know what? The Flash in the trailer has shown that this version of the Caped Crusader is going to be back. Wouldn't it be nice on a plane to Greece to watch sure. Batman, see where it all came from, um, and just, uh, not the where it all came from that was the original, but it kind of sort of set, sort of walked so everyone else could run. Yeah, exactly. George, the uh, first, I'm sorry, I was, was, was going to say, it's, it is one of the first, it's the first Batman major, you know, I know there was the Adam West one, but this is the first proper one. I interestingly got this sort of timetable up of films because I thought it was quite interesting to sort of run through how, how it's all evolved since that film came out. But George, have you seen 1989 Batman. I have. Uh, it was one of the first DVDs my family ever had. Nice. It was there with The Mummy Returns. Oh, and amazing film. I remember because the, the actual like DVD case of the, the Batman 1989 one was so sort of, it had like a clip you'd open with. It was really oh, badly beautiful. designed. Oh, not good. No, but it was just you know, not badly designed. No, it was more like a plastic clip. It was just like before they'd refined it to being the normal sort of plastic. Yeah. Um, I I remember I remember it being referenced in The Simpsons. I remember, uh, like you have not seen it in years, Jack mm. Nicholson um, and Michael Keaton. I do um, know now, I always find it was strange to remember that Prince did the soundtrack. Yeah. They've had a lot, of, a lot of great people who've done soundtracks for Batman's before we didn't give the Batman soundtracks. Um, but yeah, I, I saw on the Flash trailer that Michael Keaton's going to be in The Flash. And I think it's a bit of a shame because what a reveal that would have been to have in the film. I know yes. it's quite hard to keep these things under wraps, just like sort of the No Way Home stuff. It's yeah. quite hard to not get spoiled. But like, why would you give that well, away? Be, yes, it'd be interesting to see when we go and see it how early into the film he is revealed. I also know that due to The Flash's production and con controversies around Ezra Miller and, and them wanting to play down his profile, mm. they've had to compensate by playing up much more of Michael Keaton and much more of Supergirl. Yep. So that's why on the poster you get Batman, Supergirl and The Flash in the center. Yeah. And there, were, there was a review in the Hollywood Reporter about the way that this film has been marketed and it's just like they've had to compensate by overplaying which the Batman stuff, which shame. is a bit of a shame. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I will also say, sorry, mm. when I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy 3 for the second time, when I took my mum to see it, she saw a trailer for The Flash. She said two things. The first of all, she went, is that Michael Keaton? <laughs> and, I said, yeah. and I said, yeah, yeah, he's back. Which, funnily yeah. enough, was a lot of people's reaction yeah. in 1989 because he was a comedic yeah, actor. Yeah, yeah, uh, Mr. Mum was his, his Yeah, like, film. not at all. I mean, still, I still think it's a weird thing for Michael Keaton to have done to play Batman. But yes. he's, he's great in it, but it's a funny It is, it is casting. And, and I weird said, casting. yeah, you know, they've brought him back 30 years later. She went, oh, okay. And then she got really confused because then she was like, didn't George so, Clooney play? No, no, but she was like, so uh, I liked Pattinson though. Are they not doing him anymore? Yeah, and I said, so, I said, oh, mum, this is the, don't even the, try. The, the, the last dregs of the Snyderverse yeah, yeah. can't be, this would have already been made. It would have been nice if they'd used the Flash. Maybe they will do, we'll see. The multiverse element to kind of wrap that all up to a close yeah. and like been the last Snyderverse movie. Because I can see in the trailer that, you know, Ben Affleck's, Sort of Batman is sort of there at the I, from the looks of it, act yeah. one. How confusing for people who don't have oh. film podcasts where they sit down for two hours and go over this. Unbelievable, stuff. but James, nineteen eighty nine, the Batman, Batman. Um, yeah, and I think you know, if there's any references, any moments, I'd quite like to have sort of recently seen it. I I thought you know I had sort of seen it. 
but very passingly, maybe I think at sleepovers I'd kind of caught it, but not properly. And now actually watching it, I was like, actually, I do kind of remember a lot of this film. Yeah. This is Batman 1989. I just want to say, when this film came out, the last film that we got of Batman was starring Adam West, and it was Batman the Movie, which came out in July 30th, 1966. Wow. And 66 to 89 is the longest gap we had between... Batman films and I almost in my head even though I, I'm quite aware of the Batman films that have all come out like you know maybe not yeah. exactly by year but I'm sort of know that you go from here and then you get yeah. there and then you get there and I realised like there's there's rarely five years that separates yeah. Batman films I, I don't know why but I had them in my head more spaced out when really you could quite closely align this to the James Bond films for being consistent and yeah. in, I'm talking about quality but just like consistently releasing and rebooting yeah. and it is a universe and a character that sort of we are fascinated with and are happy to see retold and reimagined and rediscovered yeah. in a million different ways and uh, maybe we are but we, we don't seem to be in terms of like critical and commercial success yeah. fatiguing on, on no. Batman if that's uh, well if that's as long as you continue yeah. to make it give it a different take which is why yeah. I had the Batman and so sorry yeah. please no no I was just it's like yes you had so this Batman in 1989 this Batman you had its sequel Batman Returns in 92 with the Penguin with the Penguin then, in only three years later, Joel Schumacher directs Val Kilmer in Batman Forever, which is 95. Yes. Then that gets... Uh, sequel. Joel Schumacher does another film. But Val Kilmer Batman doesn't return. In, Val Kilmer doesn't return. So in 97, we have Batman and Robin starring George Clooney. So only two years. Yeah. So they would have finished that up and gone straight on to yeah. um, the other one. Then we get... Um, Batman Begins. Batman in Begins 2005. in 2005. So that is one of the longest gaps we have from 97 to 2005. Eight. Which are the, only eight years. But you think about now, those that's, two... That's an eon. That's an eon. But like, think about the difference in approach and quality of those two films. And I go, wow, is there not like 15 years separating those? I know there isn't. But like in my head, they just feel worlds... Yeah apart but then you know, sorry compare that eight years of no batman yeah to 10 years going from bale to affleck to so patterson 05 08 12 and then you've got batman v superman which i'm going to count yeah and then um justice league 2017 which i know is in the definitive version yeah. but um yeah it no, oh sorry sorry and also suicide squad, suicide squad he's there for a scene i, I know but, what but yeah 2017 sorry. justice league which i know is in the definitive version yeah, of the yeah. film but like it's he's in there um and then you've got only well, yeah, you've got the Snyder Cut. It's not really counting, but then we've got uh, the Batman and whatever comes next. So I just I saw that and I was like, hang on. The Batman 1989, in a lot of ways, really walked so everything yeah. else could run. And I think it's interesting because we had, you know, Nolan completely reboot Batman and, let's be honest, reboot comic book films mm. forever with his yeah. film. And I think about what came before batman 1989 that actually even though watching batman 1989 today in 2023 thinking it's a little bit a little bit campy a little bit absurd it's a little bit kooky this at the time would have been a very grounded gothic noir interpretation of batman where isn't it amazing that when he punches there's no thwomp or pow and actually even though it's really hard to watch it without all the knowledge of the other batman films this is actually something i'm trying to watch it through the lens of someone in the late 80s. To ground 80s, a villain, yeah. To ground... Oh, sorry, a hero. And so here we have Batman 89, Batman 1989, 
And we are, a lot of the film is actually told through the lens of uh, Vicky Vale, played by Kim Bassinger, who looks absolutely amazing in this film, I must say, from 1989. You dirty old man. Yeah, look sorry, at you. But... Oh, don't you look wonderful? <laughs> yeah. Um, and a lot of, we actually learn a lot about she's used as a tool to discover who the wealthy billionaire Bruce Wayne is. And right. She sort yes. of, it, it ends up entwined with both Bruce Wayne and Batman in different ways. And we have an origin story of Jack Nicholson's Joker, who I've seen so many times in scenes and obviously I have kind of seen the film but got to completely rediscover in this film who is up to all sorts of no good it's the Joker origin story where he falls into a load of toxic sludge at Ace Chemicals mm. and uh, something twicks in his brain and he gets the scars mm. and the manicness and he becomes the Joker laughs in the mirror and laughs in the mirror head. he's he's sort of just uh he's sort of Jack Nicholson could say peak of his powers completely terrifying and mm. unhinged and um there's there's one line which you know not necessarily from jack nicholson it's from um vicky vale and bruce and, and batman talking to each other which really sort of sets the tone for what i think this film was trying to do and um she says you know you're not exactly a normal person are you and batman says well it's not exactly a normal world and i think it's really obvious that there's this you've got this world on the comics batman is completely insane you've got men dressed as bats as clowns as penguins it's this city that's a lot of weird and and there's all of these rules and everything's just completely insane and it's had to try and ground it and what i realized watching it was that it actually, whilst being a grounded interpretation of Batman for the time, really leads into the fact that everyone's just crazy. Mm. And the origin story, uh, discovering sort of the Joker's origin story in this, as well as Batman's origin story, is interesting how they both create each other and the ideology of, of one is constantly reinforced by the ideology of the other. And they sort of forever exist mm. trying to one-up each other, mm. trying to prove the other wrong. I saw this a really wonderful, very pure Batman-Joker mm origin story hmm. love the car but also <laughs> isn't isn't he's already batman when we meet him in this he film. is already yeah. batman a bit but like pattinson is already batman right? yes but it's it that one of the reveals in this film loose spoilers for batman 1989 i, I assume you guys come on. it's a reveal to vicky vale and the audience that bruce wayne's parents died in, in an alleyway they were shot when he was yeah. a kid and that sort of frames the mm. as that's like an interesting revelation for his like his thing i think michael keaton is you know it's funny he doesn't say that much especially as batman mm. he says i am batman and a couple <laughs> of other things and there's a couple of uh i can't help but think that i'm watching this on on an ipad from like you know a version that i, I found i think it was on amazon prime and i'm looking at it going yeah this film wasn't made with hd in mind uh, yeah and I go, you know what? There's something slightly lost from the lighting, and uh, you know that there are painted quality, backgrounds, yeah. little colors, painted backgrounds, and something about a rubber suit really shows yeah. up on an HD screen. But again, like I'm quite happy to, to suspend my belief. Um, Isn't it funny? Sorry, can I just say, 1989 was 33, 33 years ago. ago. So it's the equivalent in 1989 making bringing back a character from 1956. Yeah, that's strange. That is really strange. Huh? That's really strange. Um, and I think Michael Keaton's really good in it. Like a really strange voice to Batman, bearing in mind I have all the other ones in my head. Also because Michael Keaton brings a menace and brings a kind of villainy. He's very good at being quite an imposing, sinister yes. character. And he actually plays... Oh, sorry, Wild Hogs, every week. He actually does this quite uh, good thing as Bruce Wayne where he's sort of like wealthily disconnected from everyone else. You know, someone's so wealthy, yeah. it's like they almost like what everyone else says is almost just like not really part of how mm. they how they operate and um 
yeah, I, I really liked it. I think there are moments when, like I said, you know, not made for HD and sort of the lighting. Batman in broad daylight really doesn't look good. Mm. And I think when your screen is brighter than it should be and sharper than it should yeah. be, there are certain moments, especially in the final scene when Joker's running up the bell tower and he's got Vicky Vale and Batman has to take the stairs. And like the Joker's <laughs> like throwing bells and things down him and Batman's just like <laughs> this thing running up. And I'm like, you've got the the thing yeah. that pulled like, the, the rap, apple gun. Yeah. Like just use it. And Sometimes it just looks really like it doesn't look cool at yeah, all. Yeah. Um, but again, like we're so much better at shooting action now. But uh, I, I like it. I, I, I don't know if I can be asked to watch its sequel with the Penguin and Danny Tito. Yeah. I sort of I'm like I've got my fix. I've got a really good understanding of where it came from, and I'm really glad I can see like where all of this traces mm. back to. And let's see what they how they pick up on it in the Flash, really. Yeah, and I, 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 the, the Snyderverse Flash world is so different to this. And so I worry about mm. bringing. I know what I know. You, yeah. you need. Basically, they need to get people to uh, give people a reason to see these films. And having Michael Keaton come back is a, a really yeah. big reason to come and see this because people love those films. They grew up with them. Millennials are just going to absolutely cream their pants when they see that Michael Keaton's going to be in a flash film. And I yeah. worry that Tim Burton's really stylized, well realized. All the architecture is round and not yeah, yeah. and it's wide and low, and all the buildings are slanted and yeah. it's, it's steampunky. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's on paper painted sets as well i just i i worry you're gonna rip in the bright daylight of cgi in the bright yeah. daylight of the sharp and and the snyderverse films are very uh sharp and bright and tall and, and large yeah. i worry about that that's uh, what i worry about i think um yeah with the michael keaton thing being in the flash it's like i saw that and i thought first of all there are going to be people, I don't think Gen, Gen Z, unless you're into this stuff, which I suppose yeah. this film is only targeting, but most people would be like, who is Michael? Either who is Michael Keaton? Yeah. And is oh, that Michael was Keaton? He, is that Michael Keaton? Was he Batman? I wasn't aware. Yes. Was there a Batman in 1989? You've got to think about someone who's 10 years or even 15 years younger than us, right? So he's 11, 12. Re- 14. 14. Really, <laughs> really keen maths. to, like the perfect age for a Flash film. Yeah completely won't have like if if the 89 batman is slightly missed me in a way Mm. think about how much more that's missed someone who's really targeted to see this film but also when i did see they were like oh they bring michael keaton's you know uh, batman back i did think that i hope they pull it off well and i'm excited to see what they do with it but that could be the most and looks like the most cynical last ditch effort to try and get people involved they're like Okay, we need to get more Batman. People love Batman. Throw more Batman in. Um, what can we do? Ben Affleck, well, that's confusing. We don't know what right. to do with that now. Yeah. Pattinson, no, that's no, a separate thing. No. Bale, he's out. Val Kilmer's retired. George Clooney <laughs> won't do it because of the bat nipples. Adam West is dead. So you're only left with Michael Keaton, who luckily is still an established actor, well-respected yeah. actor. He's like kind of up for a bit of a laugh, like yeah. happy to do it. How if much he, money? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was his first thing. Stop what you're yeah. saying. How much? Yeah. Um, so it's the main sure. takeaway. It's like, it's wonderful, brilliant, and so different. And, yeah. I, and I really appreciate it for, re, re, like, it's like you take the insane world of the comics and realizing it yeah. on film in a way that makes sense. Yeah. And I think, we, I think we have to remember like what comic book films were doing at the time mm. and watching that film now, thinking like, it's actually very impressive that they're able to make a film that's for its time grounded. Mm. It feels kooky now, but that would have been a really cool thing. Yeah, it's there to sell toys, but that would have been a really cool film that kind of works for grownups as well as kids. And I, that's kind of impressive to me. Good luck for The Flash. <laughs> 
If, have you seen Batman 1989 recently? Or if you you're watching it to catch up like me. Let us know your thoughts. Do you think it holds up well? Do you think there's anything we've missed in it? We'd love to hear your thoughts at hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. Interestingly, I listened to this, um, I know you just wrapped up, but interestingly, I listened to this thing where, you know, Christopher Nolan was at the very early stages of deciding what does the, my bat suit look like? And they had this really long debate about whether or not to give him ears. They were like, because in Nolan's world... A Batman with ears is a bit ridiculous. Yes. Like he's meant to be a combat ninja. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, and then you go, well, why would he choose to have ears? Yeah. It's like a really hard thing to like. Cause they they knew they weren't going to do the yellow chest yeah. plate, and they just realised without the ears, it's he's not, not Batman. It's not. He's Batman. the guy. He's the dad from Kickass. Yes. He's just like some some guy in a combat suit. Um, but yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. As mentioned in episode 80, guys, we are going to read some emails out now because we've got a lot here. Thank you for sending them in. Everyone there, their fair amount of time. So this email is from Ethan, who writes into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com, just like you can. <laughs> Let's see how many times we can say that in an episode. Hello, lads. I've been watching your podcast for over a year after discovering it when looking for a review of Boiling Point, which we did. Yes, we reviewed that last year. Mm, great little yes. film. One of it. our best performing reviews on YouTube. It's on, uh, it's on Netflix. You two have great chemistry and the show is always enjoyable. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you. I was wondering if you could only watch one of the, one of the upcoming films this year, Ooh. which one would you choose to see? Mm. Which one has piqued your interest most? For me, it's definitely Oppenheimer with such a great cast mm. and my favorite director. Um, and then he says, also, I completely agree that Monsters University is better than Monsters, Inc. A lot of this is like, we can't, this is really, really becoming the thing. Over I the can't emails. believe the amount of defense that Monsters so University has. much. I know I haven't seen it, but really? I know. Um, okay. You never know like what we'll say that sparks like an email revolution. I know. <laughs> They're going for the pitchforks. I, I would say, yeah, uh, Oppenheimer, Barbie, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning. Killers of the Flower Moon. Killers of the Flower Moon. And... Um, a lot, if, you know, the thing is, we say this now, but come September, there'll be a burst of Oscar buzz films yeah. that we won't have heard of about yet, and they will be really interesting. I, I do think the film's going to be great, but if they said Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 has been delayed by a year, I'd be like, eh. I could, I could literally... That I could, could wait. Come, yeah, I yeah. could wait. I w- whereas like, if Oppenheimer got delayed, I'd be like, ah. That's a really good point. It's Oppenheimer. Because really they are an event. It's a cinematic it's an event. event. Next email. This next one is from Lucy, who writes into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Friend of the show, and says, hey boys... How do you like this format? Sending this email with my last one attached so you can remember who I am and the entirety of our one-sided conversation. This is only my second email, but I've been a long-time listener and Pop Kitchen is my most listened-to podcast in my Spotify wraps last year. I loved it when people sent us Thank their you. screenshots. I actually forgot that was a thing and then we got in. You know, it was lovely. It was so nice to see. As someone who consumes a lot of podcasts, 
that's really saying something. I wanted to ask you two about... I wanted to ask you about two slightly older shows. The first one is Maniac, a limited Netflix series that starred Emma Stone mm. and Jonah Hill. Yeah. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, the, this entire season was like a fever dream, and I absolutely loved it. My partner, on the other hand, didn't really get much from it. I, I remember it being divisive. Um, sorry. I, I wondered if you'd seen it and what your thoughts were before I go on. George? I haven't seen it, but again, I was like, oh my God, I, I remember that. I completely forgot about it. I feel like it came out. And Big it stars. Emma Stone, Jonah Hill, directed by Carrie Fukunuga, who went on to do... Um, no who did uh, No Time to Die and was, and it was exciting, but I just feel like it just didn't connect with people. Mm. I really don't think it became a talking point, and I think it just kind of slipped away. And, and I had forgotten that 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 those prestigious actors. Is it interesting that, that uh, actors of that uh, status and caliber can be in a show that becomes like just like gets lost in the shelf shuffle of gathering streaming. dust? Yes, I think that show was like five years ago now. God, was that five years ago? It was like twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Anyway, carry on. The other is a Netflix series that was cancelled, brackets, an outrageous decision in my opinion, called The OA. Oh, I remember Me and my OA. partner both loved this show and were devastated when they cancelled it. Since watching it, I've used every opportunity to recommend it to people and was surprised to find out how practically nobody had seen or even heard of it. I think it's criminally underrated and totally original in its concept. Have you seen it? What are your thoughts? Thanks. Lucy, sent from a person. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Beautiful. it's a different twist. From um, a human being. I haven't seen the OA, but I'm aware of it in that it yeah. has Sharon Van Etten in it, who's a singer, and she is in that as an actress. And I was mm. aware that she was in it as an actress. And I remember thinking, Sharon Van Etten as an actress? Well, that's interesting. <laughs> um, I also remember the OA because that was one of the, the early, one of the f- first, was in that first crop of shows that Netflix started to cancel. Mm. You had the big Netflix boom. It was commissioning content left, right, and center and giving things two season runs Not straight off the bat. Works. And then they were like... And then they started cancelling stuff and the OA was one of the first few things they cancelled. Yeah. It was like that, the get down. I remember being on the Netflix homepage. It's like the OA. But then but then also it was that thing of like, oh maybe, and then it's like, oh, cancelled after two seasons. It was like, mm. no way. It'd be the no way. And then Lucy follows up with another email, I think. Oh, Lucy follows up with another email saying, uh, subject matter, chicken run, chicken emoji. Oh, 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 and chicken run. Please tell me you're as excited for this as I am. Yes, Thanks, I Lucy. You're referring to the sequel, which we talked about Dawn on our Netflix, sl- sl- Netflix slate episode. We are both excited very much. I rewatched. Chicken Run. <gasps> Did you? After watching that, after, oh. after we went to the Netflix thing, and I, it was everything I yeah. remembered it to be. It's still great. Funny, charming, lovely. And, and do you know what? It was amazing. <laughs> I put it on, and I honestly haven't seen that film in like 20 years. Yeah. So my brain was reconnected. There's something interesting about watching something that you were so familiar with, yeah. but then haven't visited in such a long and time. And jokes I bet you didn't get. Are there jokes that you probably uh, didn't get? Or like more of, grown-up no, references? I got, I got, no, I got most of it. Yeah. Oh, it's a um, smart kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but I loved it because I started watching it and it, it was slowly coming back to me. I can feel the juices in my brain going, hang on, this looks familiar. Mm. And it builds to the end of the prologue where Ginger's trying to escape. And then right when it gets to the punchline, like in sync with the dialogue, I go, no chicken escapes from Tweedy's farm. <laughs> then it zooms out and it's like chicken run. <laughs> Mr. Tweedy. Yeah. <laughs> Tired of making measly profits. That, that was the joke I didn't get. Like, yeah. this is what it's on the magazine. But yeah, Chicken Run, we are very excited. And we have an email from Bennett. Bennett wrote in previously with immaculate formatting in his email. Yes. Do you remember? Yes. Bennett comes to say, Hi, guys. Thank you so much for reading my previous email. The fact that you both enjoyed the formatting of my email was incredibly flattering. And as for the joke and footnotes about footnotes of additional reading... I would if I could. This also made my friend Jack laugh, and making Jack laugh is a high that is hard to replicate. Is he one of those surly, dry Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> one laugh a Tommy year person? The crown. <laughs> like one titter. Like, yeah. He laughed, he laughed. Yeah. 
Anyway, I was wondering, are there any filmmakers that you enjoy learning from the most? For example, Ooh. whenever I have writer's block or need motivation, I listen to interviews and director's commentary from Christopher McQuarrie during his time oh, yeah. on the Mission Impossible films. Mm-hmm. Again, Mission Impossible italicized. Bennett, I love it. McQuarrie is very straightforward when explaining his process as a writer and director, and he speaks about the balancing act of having mm. both roles quite well. He also loves to talk about the importance of editing, which makes sense considering the Mission Impossible fallout was made in the edit. Um, when I was shooting a short film a few months ago, I'd listened to McQuarrie to keep my head on straight. And so I'm wondering if you have a filmmaker who does the same for you. Mm-hmm. Also, um, s- say that you two were to start a production company, what types of films and shows would you start to develop and produce? That's a Ooh. huge question. I think I almost cut my head can't even handle that. But thank you both. Have a great day. All the best, Bennett. Thank you very much. Back to Christopher McQuarrie. Any directors you I mean, inspiration honestly, from? Honestly, literally, I could listen to any director yeah. who I respect talk yes. about how they made it. Like, I... I attribute my love of films to the special features dvds mm. uh, i mean when we just went to go and see uh quentin tarantino live oh my god you know completely blown away confused realizing that we think we know films this guy yeah. this guy yeah. we're playing checkers he is playing 3d chess exactly. he, he knows so much more about every film yeah. and that was just quite daunting and incredible to watch him uh, we, we, you and I have talked about Christopher Nolan talks about films yeah. in this like oh so intellectual and respectful way. Yeah, the thing is, as soon as any director who's actually made a film starts talking about their experience, it just reminds you of the intelligence and technical ability, even if they've made a bad yeah. film, that, that goes into it and the skill. And, it, and it, it, it actually heightens your experience and enjoyment of a film because it reminds you that you are not in that position mm. and that all this stuff has been lovingly crafted and sweated over and and is the toil of hundreds of people. And you know how uh, last week I talked about watching The Irishman, which you can go and check out in the bonus episode, episode from last week. Obviously, my phone listens to me. So on my TikTok feed that week, I got behind-the-scenes footage of Martin Scorsese talking to Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro huh. and Bobby Cannavale, like, between takes in The Irishman. And he had, you know, they're just talking about the lines. And Joe Pesci's like, so that's what I'm saying. I was like, you know, I'm doing this. And I was going to say, he's like, he's just so relaxed and open mm. to, it's not like a prescription of ideas or you say it how I say it. They're literally, he's so like warm and open to like, yeah, we're going to figure it out. Yeah, that's, that's what it is, right? Because he's telling you that. Mm. You know, you, you, you know that, but you want him to know. Yeah. So if he's telling you, that's what it is. Is that what you think? And it's just, the, 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 he's so relaxed. Yeah. And, I, and I've been pushed clips on TikTok of Greta Gerwig talking as well. Oh, you know, really? Just, yeah. The way she talks about working with actors is Ooh, so I'd love to see. So, Basically, any 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 chance an actor gets to to eloquently talk about their work is brilliant. And when directors get really excited about interviewing other directors because they are yeah. really into it, and they, the answer I could go, we could go on any of them. Your question about if you were to start a production company, what types of films would you make? The the, the money making side of me is be like you do a low budget horror, which is the quickest yes. and easiest way to turn a hit. Yes. Um, but then, going and then on. the artistic temperamental side of me is like, can't we do like, you know, like Before Sunrise where it's just like two people and it's dialogue, mm. but it's also like amazing. Yeah. Um, and no. Because you know the, me, I, I, I drag Tom Ford out of his silk oh, jar yeah. and slap him across the face. Be like, you make another film, sir. <laughs> um, so, uh, but running a production company would be, would be great. But I think, yeah, you've got to start with, uh, I think- You also got to love the you know business of making films. I would try it. I think I would actually try and resuscitate the kind of dormant concept-led science fiction films. Uh, right, and I yeah. mean, in the early, nor- in, no, not in the early, in the early 2012s, post-inception, mm. you kind of had this mid-resurgence of, tiny little resurgence of um, ideas films. Source Code, yes. the Adjustment Bureau. I Looper. like Source Code. I, did, I agree. 
And I like those have kind of fallen away now. They're either made into mm. series and they kind of like sag, but I, yes. I miss a tight concept-led science fiction thing that's about an idea. Moon, mm. Black Jones Mirror probably. Feels yeah, Black like, Mirror as yeah, well. Like so I, I think I would kind of Moon. Moon's great. Yeah, yeah I, I would. I would push into that. It's kind of similar to making a horror film, really, but it's but you're taking a bit more of a risk because you're tired. Arrival, arguably, like like is there? Yeah, I mean, but that's obviously so much of that is also about the, the scare. But I want, yeah. I want almost like a play-like. Great ideas. Um, told, something yeah. like. Um, uh, I was about to say Primer. I think that's a science fiction film. Or, or uh, if, if anyone's ever seen like the man, it's not the man who fell to earth. It's the man from earth. It's this really, really, really low budget film made in like 2007 that yeah. became a cult hit. And I've never talked about this film on the show before actually. Oh my God, I can do this. Yeah, go for it. So this was a film that, do you remember, do you remember Will Walker? Who we did, we did play with. Yeah. So we, the, the so a guy we James and I went to uni with, who uh, we, we sent our very best to. Don't know what he's doing now, but very best to him. Um, we did a play with, and he told me in between scenes about this film that he w- was watching that he really liked called The Man from Earth. And it's really low budget, like I said, made in like 2005 or 2007. And it's about this guy who's a professor at a university in America. And he's gathering all of his friends around for a dinner to kind of say goodbye to them, to basically say, I'm leaving. And it kind of, I don't want to, re- I don't want to reveal too much, but it kind of transpires that this man has lived many, many years in his life. And, there's, and he has more of a tale to tell. He's not an alien or anything like that, but he's, there's a slight like science fiction concept at its heart that makes it like a, a, a myth or a tale. And you kind of get, and it's literally just set in one room, but he, the way they tell the story really kind of leans you, makes you lean in like you're around the campfire listening mm. to the story. And um, it kind of get it, it's an exercise in showing that you can make something that's perfectly entertaining and passable and gripping with just like a couple of cameras in a room with people talking. Yeah. Maybe something like that, Bennett. Well, like you're like, when we talked about reality last week. Like that's you, a perfect you take example. a really Rea- big yeah, idea of what it goes on to deal with. I don't want to spoil it in case yeah. you still haven't seen it, but you tackle it from a really interesting transcript of an interaction that happened. We had a really nice comment on our TikTok social of the reality review where someone just said, it's minimalism is its genius. And mm. it's absolutely right. Literally in its environment as well yeah. for a lot of it. Yeah. It's minimalism is it is its genius. Yes. So that that be the case. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of Pop Kitchen. We really enjoy making them and I hope you enjoy listening to them. Don't forget, we post new episodes of the show every single Wednesday. So we are going to be, we're seeing, you and I are seeing Flash tomorrow. Yes. The episode will be out Wednesday. Excited to see, curious to see curious how to that see. all adds up. I hope it's really, really good. Last thing on the runtime. Let's just see what the runtime yeah, is. Yeah, what's the runtime? Hit me with I'm, it. I'm, 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 I'm anticipating like a two hour 40. Oh no, I'm going to go 220. I'm right. It's two hours thirty-five. Okay, and yeah. it's directed by Andy Andy Muschietti, who lasted it part two. No. So I'm not. No, I know. So I'm For not. Doesn't know it part two is three hours and fifteen minutes long. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's two two hours fifty, but it it, uh, okay. it, fe- it felt like three true. hours fifteen. I, I found adjusted for inflation. I could not believe. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thank you very much for listening to this bonus episode. As you know, episodes come out regularly every yeah. week. Like and subscribe and. See you soon. soon.